is a Woodside Church podcast. Today we begin our series titled Piercing Quiet. That's the title of the Easter series. And please hold on tight to all that God has been telling us this morning. It's no different from what I'm going to share. God has been speaking to us right from the beginning and through this as well. And hopefully we will go through these pages very quickly that we'll have some time at the end for contributions as well. So the title of this specific preach is Stately Betrayal. And you see that this series, all the titles will have something to do with quietness. So being sneaky, you know, doing things undercover, secretive, is what we are trying to betray here. And that's exactly what Judas did. He was one of the 12, he betrayed Jesus, he was working underground. So we will look at the story of Judas and the part he played in the crucifixion story, and then the lessons that we will learn and our response. But before we go into it, Easter matters. Easter gives meaning to Christmas. And because of Easter, we can gather here and celebrate. What happened during Easter is that by the death of Jesus Christ, he won victory over sin. He broke the power of sin over our lives, and he set us free. All the songs that we were singing have meaning because of what happened on Christmas Day. Sorry, on Easter Day. So we'll read the story. I'll go through very quickly, and then we'll pick some main points. So we'll read from Matthew chapter 26, 3 to 5. And this is the story of Judas. It's not a person we want to speak about or we we hold in high esteem, but it's in the Word of God, and it's part of this story of Easter, and therefore I know God is going to speak to us through Judas. So three to five, it says, then the chief priests and the elders of the people assembled in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas, and they schemed to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or there may be riots among the people. Now if we go to 14 to 16, then one of the 12, one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and asked, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. 
Judas was one of the twelve. And the question is, why would Judas betray Jesus? You see, Judas and the rest of the disciples, that is the twelve, thought that Jesus' kingdom was physical and political. So they wanted something to happen, you know, in the physical. They were looking for power. They were looking for stature. They were looking for favor. And when Judas realized that, no, this is a spiritual kingdom, the kingdom that we are talking here is not of this world. And because he was driven by his desire for money and status, he betrayed Jesus in exchange of money and favor from the authorities. We continue to read from verse 20. So when evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. So Jesus talking to the twelve. They were very sad and began to say to him one after the other, Surely you don't mean me, Lord. So all the eleven said that, Lord, 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 you don't mean me, Lord. When it got to Judas's turn, he said, Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. This is a very, very important point that we'll come back to. The eleven acknowledged Jesus as Lord. Judas acknowledged him only as rabbi. While they were still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him a large crowd armed with swords and clubs, sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I case is the man, is the man, arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus replied, Do what you have come for, friend. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. 27. When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned and was seized with, he was seized with remorse, and returned the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. What is this to us? They replied. That's your responsibility. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and hanged himself. That is the end, the very sad story of Judas, an anticlimax. So the question is, what happened here? And what lessons can we draw from this? The first point is that when we have unconfessed sins in our lives, 
it makes it easier for us to yield to the temptations that comes our way. There is a lot of debate. Scholars are debating quite heavily whether Judas had a, a, a choice to betray Jesus or not. But if you read the Gospels, it's very, very clear that on his own volition, he chose to betray Jesus for the love of money. The love of money is the root of all evil. James chapter 1, 13 to 15, he says that when you are tempted, no one should say that God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then, after the desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. So Judas could not handle the temptation that came his way. And he gave in. Why? Well, Judas had unconfessed sins in his life. So temptation in itself is not a sin. Jesus was tempted when he was on earth. So temptation is the opportunity. It gives us the opportunity to fulfill the desires in our hearts. So what the devil does is the evil desires in our hearts. He comes and presents us with some opportunities. Saying, ah, I know you have the desire in your heart. How about this? You can fulfill that desire by doing this. And therefore, what happens is when we yield to that desire, when we say, yes, good suggestion, I'll go with it. When we take that action, then we sin. So the temptations will always be there around us. But when we take that action, then we sin. And you see, when there is sin in our lives, unconfessed sin in our lives, the devil keeps coming back. He starts from something small. Said, ah, look at how good that was. You enjoyed it, right? Why don't we increase it by 50%? Every time he's trying to get you more and more and more. So the evil desire in you increases. You sin more and then it keeps going on and going on. So Judas was the treasurer among the 12 disciples. He was the treasurer charged with looking after the money. And sadly, when you read John, the account from John 12, 5 and 6, he said Judas was helping himself with the contributions that were coming. So he was stealing coins here and there. And that was the beginning. That was the unconfessing in Judas's life. And the devil kept feeding on it until he got to the point of betraying the Savior. Let's watch out. No matter how small it is, we need to deal with it. 
Otherwise, that cycle will continue. Our desire, the temptations will come. We fall into sin. The devil comes back knocking with new suggestions, and then it keeps on and on and on. The good news is that as children of God, the Holy Spirit is in us. And when we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. He only does not forgive us, but he cleanses us. And he helps us to overcome that desire so we can live for him. The second point is Judas was so close, yet so far. You see, he knew about Jesus, but he did not know him. He knew about Jesus, but he did not know him as Lord. Judas was a gospel preacher. He was active in ministry. So standing here is not a guarantee of my spiritual life, the health of my spiritual life. You can sing, you can do all that goes on in this place. But you may not know Jesus as Lord. He saw the greatest ever life that was lived. He witnessed the miracles. He saw Jesus feeding the 5,000. He took bread that was blessed and multiplied and shared it with the disciples. He took part in that. He saw Jesus with his eyes calming the storm. He saw Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. He heard the teachings as well. He heard the, the, the sermon on the mount. He heard the warnings that Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees. So he knew there was hell. He heard the parable of the prodigal son. He knew God is ready to welcome and forgive those who wasted themselves in sin. He saw, he heard. With, Jesus, with Judas' own eyes, he saw the clearest evidence. With his own ears, he heard the teachings of Jesus. With his foot as well, he followed Jesus. Three years. Three years. But that is not enough. Because he knew about Jesus, but he didn't know him as Lord. You see, the major religions of the world all know a lot about Jesus. Islam says that he was born of a virgin. He is revered and respected. He is a prophet. He is a wise teacher. He performed miracles. He ascended to heaven and will come again. All this truth is in the Quran. Judaism, they know that Jesus was Mary's son. He was a teacher. He had many disciples. He's respected. He performed miracles. Claimed, they said he claimed to be the Messiah. That he was crucified on the cross. That his followers 
claim Jesus was raised from the dead. These are facts that these other religions believe in. Buddhism believed that Jesus is an, an enlightened man. He was a wise teacher. Hinduism, that he is a holy man, a wise teacher, and a god. Brothers and sisters, knowing all these lovely truths about Jesus is not enough. Mere head knowledge is not enough. If you are here and all you know about Jesus stops in your head, then we better add another column here. Then Christianity turns into another religion of facts. But the truth is that Jesus is Lord. And that is the difference. Jesus is Lord. And that is what we proclaim. He says that Jesus is Lord. And when you say that Jesus is Lord, you give permission for God to enter your life. And then he begins to turn your life around. That head knowledge begins to work in your life and you become a different person. Romans 10 verse 9 says that if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Islam, Judaism, Buddhism, and Hinduism, they are missing the point because they are not acknowledging the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Oh, we are remembered of the man with leprosy. Matthew 8, 2 and 3. This man, it says that a man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, you see, he acknowledged the Lordship of Christ. He said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And then he says, Jesus reached out his hand, touched the man, and said, I am willing. He said, be clean. Immediately, he was cleansed of his leprosy. In Matthew chapter 20, 30 to 34, we read of another account. This time, two blind men were sitting by the roadside, And when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. They acknowledged the lordship of Christ. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately, they received their sight and followed him. Are you wondering why nothing is changing in your life? Judas came. He was part of the party. For three years, he left unchanged because he did not acknowledge the Lordship of Christ. When we acknowledge the Lordship of Christ, that we experience his power, 
and he begins to turn our life around. Jesus is Lord means that he is master. He is sovereign. He is the king of kings. We've been singing about him being the king of kings and the Lord of lords this morning. And if the songs that we've been singing will come to pass, if it's going to be true in your life, it doesn't have to be head knowledge alone. It has to be confession. By accepting Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life, accepting the fact that He is Lord, He is the Sovereign, He is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. The third and final point is that sin ultimately leads to destruction. And uh, apologies, I'm not a very good artist, but uh, I've um, tried to, Judith, if we go to the uh, diagram, try to illustrate what is happening here and what we've um, talked about before. So this is what the devil does through temptation. You see, he has little power, the devil. He only comes to steal. We are all creation of God. God created us in his image, and he comes to steal us. He entices us. And the connection is our sinful nature and our desires. And then he keeps drawing us into the pit. He keeps drawing us into the pit. And like Judas, it ends in destruction. You see, in John chapter 10, verse 10, it says that the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. But brothers and sisters, the story changes with Easter. The story changes with Easter. Because the word of God says that God demonstrates his love for us. Whilst we were still in the pit of destruction, Whilst we were still powerless, he loved us in that condition. So he comes with his love in the pit and meets us in that pit. And because he has died on the cross, he breaks the power of sin over our lives. He forgives and saves And not only that, he transforms us and gives us eternal life. So he says that I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. When Jesus comes in, no matter how dirty you are, no matter how muddy the situation is, you will experience his love. You will experience his forgiveness. He will transform you, he will wash you, and you'll become as white as snow. And he will give you eternal life. And you can sing like David sang in Psalm 40 and verse 2. That he lifted me out of the slimy pit. Oh, out of that mud and mire. And he has set my feet on a rock and have given me a firm place to stand. This is what Easter does. This is the difference that Jesus makes 
for all those who acknowledge him as Lord and Savior, for all those who call to him as Lord and Savior, no matter how deep you are in your sin, the love of God is there for you today. He will break that power of sin. He will forgive and not remember anymore. And not only that, he will transform you into a different person. So how, how do we respond to this? First of all, I think it's very important we examine ourselves. Is Jesus the Lord of your life? Or is just head knowledge like the other religions? How is your walk with the Lord? Are you harboring some sinful nature in there? God is calling you this morning to repent. Secondly, let's submit to God and be alert. In 1 Peter 5.8, we are, we are admonished to be alert and of sober mind. For your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. He is going to tempt you. He has so many ideas to fulfill that is, uh, evil desires. If you don't quench that evil desire, he will come with suggestions. And you will go deeper and deeper into that pit. James 4, 7 says that submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. No matter how deep or how strong that stronghold of sin is in your life, I tell you, if you acknowledge Jesus as Lord, he will break that power of sin over your life. It doesn't matter how many years the devil has been tormenting you. By acknowledging Jesus as Lord, he has the power to break that power over your life and set you free, transform you, and give you a new life. And thirdly, let us urgently pray for strength from the Holy Spirit so that we can share this wonderful truth of how Jesus comes to rescue us from the pit and sets us on a rock and give us hope. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Holy Spirit, we pray that you begin to work in our lives. That where there are hidden sins, Lord, speak to us, convict us, and give us that power to overcome that sin. If you are here and all you know about Jesus, you know about Jesus, but you don't know him as Lord, today is the opportunity for you why don't you go to him and say, Lord, I want to know you as Lord. Maybe there is some sin in your life that has been going on for years and years and years. 
Accept him as Lord. And he will give you that power to overcome that sin. Father, we pray that even as we meditate on this word, you continue to speak to us and work in us so that we will no longer yield to the temptations of the devil. That we will experience the power of the cross and the reason why you came to die for us. In Jesus' name we've prayed. Amen. You have been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.